Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, in DC, you are only allowed to use one sports betting app, and the company behind it is a wreck. It's a status quo that has real costs, even if you don't bet on sports. How did this happen, and what does DC do now? We break it down with Danny Funt, who has broken some crazy stories about this for The Washington Post. Today is Thursday, October 12th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. So, Danny, you have done some really fascinating reporting on how one guy basically crushed Gambit DC from inside a poke shop. In order to help me understand uh, how this fell apart, because I'm kind of an ignoramus about sports betting, I need to know how it is supposed to work in the first place. Can you walk me through it? Yes. So as of 2018, a number of states outside of Nevada have started legalizing sports betting. Previously, there was a federal law where you could essentially only bet in Nevada. The Supreme Court struck that down. And now, typically, you go through a private operator like FanDuel or DraftKings or Caesars, either on your phone through an app or at a brick and mortar sports book. And you say, this is the team I like, this is the prop bet I like, and you wager some money, you know, say your prayers. And uh, if things work out, um, you get a nice payout. More often than not, you lose money. And that's why it's become this multi-billion dollar industry. All right. So what the poke shop's called Abunai, it's in downtown DC. What happened there? So they're one of about 70 businesses around town that license uh, Gambit DC kiosks where people can bet in person. And these kiosks, they look like ATM machines or something? Yep. And the same kiosks as people use to bet through the lottery. And uh, very simple. One guy looked up a listing of all the businesses that have kiosks. Abu Nai was first alphabetically on the list. So he said, there we go. And he figured out that because you bet anonymously through the kiosks, he could basically bet as much as he wanted without getting limited. One of the many tricks that sportsbooks use is they identify the winning bettors and they prohibit them from betting, in some cases, as much as like a couple bucks. But they really cut down how much winning bettors are allowed to wager. But again, if you're betting anonymously on a kiosk, you might be able to bet tens of thousands of dollars on a single game. And that was this guy's hack. Uh, the other thing just quickly that he figured out was that although Gambit DC has a very steep vigorish, which is the sportsbook's advantage that they bake into the odds, they do such a bad job of setting odds and lines for games that he could find where their lines deviated from some of those national operators. And when he found a big enough difference and he felt confidently, he bet that. And that proved to be an extremely profitable strategy. Wait, just so I understand, 
DC has this company running it that, according to our poke enthusiast slash better, was doing a crap job. And they had these lousy odds that were not very good. So he would look through the other company's odds and see a place where the consensus of the odds makers was that, you know, a certain result's likely to happen, but DC's platform was giving different odds. And he puts a bunch of money on that and keeps winning. That's exactly right. It was so methodical and mindless that he was betting on sports he didn't even know anything about. Like he's not a golf fan whatsoever, and yet he made tens of thousands of dollars just picking off those poorly set golf odds. How much was he betting? Like, like how much are you allowed to bet? Originally, you could bet, in some cases, tens of thousands of dollars per game. So over the since this spring, he bet well over a million dollars and he profited over $400,000. Holy moly. And so you reported they changed the rules specifically because of this one guy. That's right. And what struck me was that when they announced it quietly on a Friday afternoon, they didn't say, you know, one guy is killing us. We need to change the rules. They said, <laughs> there's a public health and safety emergency that we need to deal with. There's too much, you know, excessive betting. And we need to give ourselves the authority to crack down and limit how much people can wager. Of course, now that we understand the bigger context, it was one guy who they were trying to limit, not some rash of problem gaming. Right. So they didn't care that people were losing money before, but when someone is able to win money, exploiting the weakness of their odds, they suddenly get religion about public health and safety. That's what you wrote. That's right. And it's contradictory to the whole backdrop of how DC has dealt with problem gambling. We could go into that, but it's been severely lacking by a lot of people's standards. So the rule changed such that you now have to log in with your own name at these kiosks, or you can only bet a small amount of money? What was the change? So as you said, for the losing bettors, everything is exactly as it was. <laughs> they can bet anonymously, they can dump as much money as they want in these machines and and lose a fortune. But the, the city gave itself the authority to limit specific customers. So in this guy's case, he now can't bet more than $60 a game or $1,000 a day which might sound like a lot of money to most of us, but if you're trying to make this your living, that'll basically run you out of business. That's not enough money to be able to get down. How can they find him at the kiosks? Because you said they were anonymous. They have security cameras. Technically, if they find out that he was betting in violation of his limits, they can void his winnings. So you're right, it's a bit of an honor system thing, but if he were defying this order, he'd be in trouble. All right. So for those of us who don't engage in sports betting, why does this story matter? Like it's sort of a big deal, not just in sports and sports gaming, but in city politics and governance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say two reasons. One is that just like every state that legalized sports betting, when DC did so in 2019, they said, this is going to bring in a lot of money for the city. And it's specifically going to let us fund violence prevention programs, a child care program, other kind of public interest things in the same way that the lottery is justified so often by saying it goes to education or whatever. They've fallen tens of million dollars short of the revenue projections for sports betting. So this is yet another example of how a mismanaged 
sports betting apparatus is doing real harm to the general fund of the city. And then second, I would say is, as I said, they announced this rule change to limit one person's wagering under the guise of public health. And anytime you legalize something that's so addictive like gambling, you need to install the proper mental health services and other addiction services to deal with the fallout. And in, in many ways, DC has coming up, come up drastically short on that front. So DC's app, it's called Gambit. And it is administered by this company, Intralot, Perfect. that got a no-bid contract. How does Gambit work? Like many other sports books, you can pull up the Gambit app, which has pitiful ratings on the App Store, but that's a different <laughs> story. You make an account, uh, you give some information to identify yourself, and there's geolocating so they can say, oh, you're in the city, you're eligible to bet through Gambit. And then from there, you deposit money through a credit card or Venmo or any your bank or any number of typical you know sources like that. And you say, I want to bet this much on this game. And if you get a payout, you can withdraw it like cash. If you lose, tough luck. And uh, yeah, I mean, gambling, as we know, is a very dependable business for just about every company, except uh, when it's run by governments like DC's. So your story mentioned this incredible stat, which is that in June, they lost money, which is the, the old cliche is the house always wins, but in this case, not so much. Exactly. I mean, it's really a straightforward business. You see what the money come in, you try <laughs> to balance your books, you're taking an edge on each bet. So if things go right, there's not much chance to it. Of course, you can have you know an underdog win and that can hurt you for a day or a week. But it's basically unheard of for a sports book to come out on the losing side over an entire month. And that's what happened in June for Gambit. And that's why they took these actions. Now, you said that that they had you know lousy ratings in the app store, but that's another story. But I'm not sure it actually is another story because this is not the first time Gambit DC has been in hot water. What are some of the other problems that plagued them? Well, what do you think is the biggest day of the year for sports betting? It's the Super Bowl, right? So naturally, the Gambit DC app crashed. <laughs> I think it was in 2021 for the Super Bowl, which is catastrophic. For some sports books, that's like 1% of their entire betting handle for the whole year, which you know is significant. They've had all sorts of glitches, people who should be able to bet, and it says you're not within city limits or whatever. It's just a really dysfunctional app. And a lot of people like to bet from their couch or at the sports bar on their phone. And if your app doesn't work, that's really going to cut into your business. You are describing them as sort of a bunch of jokers. How did this company get the contract in the first place? And should it have gotten that? I mean, it's a five-year contract, and in a year, they'll get to reevaluate if they want to renew. It was a very rapid and confusing process. The, the city council said that because Maryland and Virginia haven't legalized sports betting yet, we'll be at a competitive advantage if we rush this out, have a no-bid contract, and you know roll this out as quickly as possible. And in doing so, they gave a contract to a Greek gaming company that had done they provide DC's lottery functions. So they had a relationship there. A lot of people who work at Intralot or are some of Intralot's subcontractors 
have relationships with folks at City Hall, including on the council at the time. And so immediately there were all these red flags and people saying, whoa, whoa, this is not the way to do this. There's a tried and true method of licensing huge private companies, taxing them. That's a very bankable way for governments to make money off sports betting. And DC in so many ways has just broken from conventional wisdom there. So if I were to go to some other state, mm -hmm. maybe a place where this is being done well, how would the betting work there instead? Well, I don't know that it's being done well anywhere. That's a big social oh. debate. But let's say you went to Maryland or Virginia. You could pull up your phone. You'd have maybe 10 or in some states, 20 licensed private sports books that you can bet with. Similarly to how you can bet with Gambit, there's a bit of a competition there. So they offer very enticing promotions to get people to use their app or their sports wait, wait, wait. book. So, so, yeah. so in DC gave this company a monopoly, but other states do not have a monopoly provider. That's right. I live in Colorado. There's almost 30 licensed operators here. So a whole menu of places to choose from. And that entices them to be more customer friendly in some cases, gives the government more companies to tax. That tends to be a winning strategy. There is clear examples that in states that have one operator like Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, uh, their revenue that they're bringing in for the government per capita is consistently lower than states that have a competitive market. So uh, next year, you said this contract for the company behind Gambit comes up. Uh, is there sort of a conventional wisdom on what is likely to happen? I wouldn't say so. I mean, common sense, you'd say, let's scrap this and do it the <laughs> way everyone else is and, and just stop trying to be too clever for our own good. But the council members I spoke with were non-committal about how that decision's going to go. Do I dare ask you to make odds on this? <laughs> no, I'm not a betting man on this or uh, the commanders, <laughs> no. All right, Danny, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Before you go, here is some quick news. Goodbye, Dave Thomas Circle, and hello, Mamie Peanut Johnson Plaza. The infamous Florida Avenue, New York Avenue intersection is getting a redesign and a new name. The winner of the public name contest honors the legacy of a longtime DC resident and the first woman to ever pitch in the Negro League. Also, WMATA has announced plans for 24-7 Metrobus service on 13 frequently used bus lines. Under the new schedule, buses would run every 20 minutes from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. It is slated to start in December of this year. And lastly, Monumental Sports Network, formerly known as NBC Sports Washington, has launched a direct-to-consumer streaming service. Now fans without cable or satellite can watch Washington Capitals, Wizards, and Mystics games with their subscription. Let the watch parties commence. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to the morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.